Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello. And Ben Roy Turner. Hi. And we thought we would do, because we started doing the best games of the year, we started doing the worst games of the year over on the main channel, and I thought, you know, there's a whole other different load of, of 2019 things that we haven't done yet. Um, so to do something positive, I thought we'd do the biggest surprises of 2019. It can be a specific game mechanic, and it can be any number of reasons why a certain game sticks out. Um, but I'm going to open this up with Apex Legends, because we, we have three each, I should say. Yes. I'm going to open this up with Apex Legends, because um, I thought I was done with Battle Royale as you shake your face I, I just I just genuinely forgot that this was this year <laughs> it is weird isn't it that is crazy it did sort of come and go it was, it was two weeks for me and then I just deleted it right okay so I, I liked it a lot more than two weeks I think I did anyway and my point is I was surprised by it because I thought I was done with um, Battle Royale stuff especially after PUBG Fortnite fine you know whatever um, and then as soon as you sort of apply like an actual combat model or something I know you'll disagree because you love PUBG <laughs> but as soon as you like apply like something on the level of what Respawn do with essentially just Titanfall 2 mechanics in a Battle Royale setting yeah. Um, I loved that and I thought I was like oh man I can I can actually really get into this um, and I played it like you know pretty solidly or still occasionally dip back into it I'm yet to delete it from my XMB um, so yeah I think it's a good little injection of what you can do with the genre it's not that I don't like it or think it's a bad game I mm-hmm. think for me Battle Royale is basically you find your one and then you stick with it yeah, yeah. like I've just finished we've just finished PUBG uh, the season 3 where like all the what they called Battle Pass and everything like mm-hmm. that and I'm just into I like popping back in there, going through air and going all that. But for me, Battle Royale, because it's such a time sink, I think you need to have your one. I yeah, don't know. maybe. What do you, have you found it? Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, I'm the same as you. Uh, I was trying to get Benroy to play it at launch. I remember coming in and being like, <laughs> Benroy, this is the one. And you uh, already have the one in PUBG. But I was just thinking. He, he might as well be married at this point. He might as well be. Trying to offer him up different. This was the Battle Royale game that sort of got me back into Battle Royale. Because I want to love that mm-hmm. genre. I remember when um, PUBG first came out and I couldn't play it because I don't have a PC that can run Gone Home, never mind a game <laughs> like that uh, that has 100 players in. And I remember just waiting for the one to come by that actually gripped me. I tried mm-hmm. all of them. I tried Fortnite. I tried PUBG when it came to consoles. And then Apex Legends came around. And it was the one I was least convinced by because yeah. obviously, you know, it's E-Age, came out of nowhere. It looks like a cash grab. I wanted very Titanfall Overwatch-y. 3, very yeah. Overwatchy. But it absolutely just sort of nailed that squad-based gameplay that I was looking for. Mm. I liked the idea of the ping system. I remember thinking that was so revolutionary at the time <laughs> I came in and I was talking to you guys. I was like, no, the ping system is fair, the future. Like, yeah, it actually does give you like more mechanics 
like you know in the moment than you would have in most of the other online stuff. Obviously, Fortnite stole it immediately, like li- literally the week after or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've we've patched it in. I, mean, yeah. I guess it's not that hard for them to put stuff in, but it does make you rethink like how to I don't know li- work with a different team without having to actually talk to people. So I do like that. I, um, I think on. what Ben Roy said is quite uh, cognizant there, mm-hmm. though, because um, when it comes to battle royale, cognizant, cognizant at three p.m. Sorry, <laughs> it's uh, good lord. I'm just hoping something sticks and just, saying lots of words. <laughs> um, I think what Ben Roy said there was really salient. I'm going to go with that oh, one. Oh god. Um, because when it comes to battle royale games, I love jumping into them. And mm-hmm. with Apex Legends, I was there for the first month. But then if I don't play it for a little while, I feel like I kind of, you know, fall off it. And mm-hmm. then people surpass me in skill. And then it becomes not fun. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I think there's something about the genre that just you have to keep like digging deep within yourself to keep going because it is such a hard reset every single time. I, I appreciate the different takes and all that. But, <laughs> but literally, this like for PS4, we just uh-huh. got the ability to shoot gas cans and now they explode. Game oh. has changed. It's like when Zelda got a jump button. And yeah. it was like everyone else was like, really? Just everyone's gone crazy. Oh, <laughs> not to worry. Josh, your first take, or your first game, sorry, was The Sinking City. Yes, now I... big deal? I must preface this by saying I have not finished The Sinking City. Okay. It is currently in progress. And yeah, I was kind of... I didn't even know this game existed, to be honest, until Jules and Ash went off to see it, and mm. then Ash reviewed it. And Same. then it instantly got my receptors tingling because it is a horror detective game that is based on Lovecraft stories, and mm. that is sort of my stuff can't say what you I could wear a squid on your head right you wear a squid on your head Ben Roy because that's what Lovecraft is how is it is. super serious in a detective thing but also there's a squid on your head well that's the beauty of Lovecraft because it's so <laughs> so abstract abstract and human minds aren't supposed to be able to comprehend it and there's you know, giant squids that are gods and yet it's really scary and really um, sort of like serious it's weird that the way they play with it because it does tackle sort of difficult themes at the heart of it mm-hmm. like when you first boot it up it has a sort of um, not a warning but a message at the beginning saying that we're going to tackle some you know, uh, quite complex social themes, or at least we're going to brush up against them because Lovecraft's writing is, you go back to it now and it's very, very, very problematic and it's not, sort of doesn't translate easily to modern adaptations. And I like that they have tackled that kind of head on. I'm not far enough into it to see how that develops, even if it's a big part Mm -hmm. of the um, story or focus but the weird twist of horror and detective work because it's made by the same people who made the Sherlock Holmes games it just it kind of I'm doing a Todd Howard it kind of works it kind of just works it kind of just works at least in your case it does actually just work it's very very flawed did it have Return of the Everdeen last year I didn't oh Josh it's a PC thing again I can't play Gone Home okay if I can get it work on my Mac to be fair they should put it on everything yeah they should put it on everything that game is uh, made to look like an old school Apple 2 style thing yeah Yes. Um, like, yeah, it would run on, like, a Nokia 3310. Um, but right. you should absolutely dig out Oberdin somehow. I don't know Bloody how. Bloody Benji keeps telling me to play it as well. <laughs> he loves it. I really want to play it. I'm looking forward to it. It's just it's good. If you give it's me a good. computer to play it, I will play it. It plays okay. on my, my, my MacBook Pro. What yeah. was this comparison you were going with? Why did we uh, I just feel like there's sort of the detective vibe. Like, I feel like, yeah. I don't know. I've really, all I've seen is a few, like, uh, bits on YouTube and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, the look of it. But I was wondering if it just, like the whole thing of like is the detective genre sort of like coming back up in different ways because mm. is there any combat in this because there isn't any combat in Oberdin. there are there is combat in this it's very floaty you I'm do assuming a things. Bioshock vibe but I could be wrong oh, kind of okay. like similarly it's, it, it's, it's very much inspired by a lot of different games and I think you to jive with it you've got to also jive with its problems because okay. it's very janky it's, it sort of wears <laughs> it's kind of potentially limited budget on its sleeve but it's, right. it is ambitious in spite of its flaws and I think that's what sort of defines you know a surprise game or some it's like it's like an underdog and I right. want it to, to succeed I like um, even just through subject matter it seems like it's got enough of an identity which 
which yeah. is like that's kind of what you need at this stage like there's so much identical stuff that it's it's good that it can stand out just from that um, Benroy your first game was a Plague Tale yes something that I've been literally gushing over all year <laughs> trying to play but kind of like I wish I, I don't know why the the £40 price point just didn't want me to get in there because mm. I I underestimated how big this game was going to be. It's mm-hmm. like literally a full full length. I think I spent twelve hours playing this thing. In one sitting. Yeah, uh, I I, I um, had my birthday off, so I sat there for eight hours playing this nice. game and just going through it. And I think that's how why I fell in love with it so much. Because if you play just the first part, it's mm-hmm. going to feel really sort of slow. And I, this tutorial goes on forever. Are we back in two thousand for two thousand three? <laughs> but um, just something different about the the setting and like during the the Black Death and the Plague and all that sort of thing where I've just never played anything in that sort of time period yeah I know like Assassin's Creed likes to jump around different time periods and everything but uh, I'm not really an Assassin's Creed player made me think of Dishonored with like the uh, the rat swarms and stuff but yeah. like the, yeah. the rat tech or whatever you want to call and it it's amazing that these rats that just instill fear it's, it's different to just being chased by a dude or something <laughs> it's like this swarm of, I think it's I think it's the kind of why like similar to like zombies like just it's this pile of enemies out there but mm. the difference between these rats is you, it's always a, like a light puzzle to get through each sort of level mm-hmm. and every time you go through more and more they try and mix it up as much like you get sort of you have this sort of sling that you mm-hmm. can like uh, first of all just throw rocks at guys heads and knock mm-hmm. them out oh Ben Roy no we're not back to throwing rocks around <laughs> to get around stealth no this Zoe. one they, they no, no. in the head mate that's, okay. the, that's the difference it's not to like uh, you can throw a jar but you only have, can hold like one jar mm-hmm. but it's more like at uh, first of all you start by dinging something and then they go there and then you let, get the ability like acid uh, like things so acid can, rocks acid mate rocks. Uh, like you construct this sort of like pouch and you throw it so okay. it melts their helmet so they take their <laughs> helmet off so then you can knock them in the head and things like that I think it's worth highlighting as well just the, the general I forget the name of the studio which I did have the top of my tip of my tongue before but um, they've done a lot of contract work and then they finally had enough money to sort of go in their yeah. own direction and it's just set in France it's real mm. weird and like, it's something about that I've not played anything like this in a while like the mm-hmm. style of it and just the setting and I even enjoyed the, the reintuitive boss fight of just like knocking the guy's armor off one mm. by one I thought that was like a nice different it's challenge it's neat that, that sort of stuff it reminds me a little bit of a way out where it's like a, like a little game mm. that could kind of thing yeah. you have little it has enough aspiration to carry it and I think um, yeah like I said with the story it's got like a, almost like a well it does have like a supernatural bend to it which I wasn't expecting I thought it was going to be more like Kingdom Come and just be like an old school because it is set in like I don't know revolutionary whatever era France or yeah. something it does escort really well as, as yeah well. and it's like I guess like you said at the, at the beginning you have like box puzzles and hiding in tall grass and whatever things that sort of jar with me but it definitely does open up and the story's great I've never looked at death as I like in the same ways I did this game when mm. you go through a battlefield that sort of ended you remember like uh, those it's, uh, episodes of Game of Thrones where mm. you had piles of dead bodies everywhere. Yeah. Mm. there's this point where you go through a battlefield and as far as you can see obviously you can't go there but there are just <laughs> dead bodies everywhere and rats will swarm in them so sometimes you're climbing over them sometimes you're lighting a torch mm. it's just it's, it's very atmospheric stri- yeah very atmospheric very striking and I don't think I'm, there's going to be anything like that for a while I love that there's, there's a lot of these mid-tier games I don't mean that as a sort of derogatory no, yeah. thing I just mean they're not quite you know indie as you expect but they're not sort of they're like, they're like indie games with triple A aspirations I'd yeah say. I think Hellblade set it in motion yeah exactly yeah. Hellblade you've got The Sinking City you've got um, A Plague Tale you had Vampire last year I think yeah. all of these games have really interesting settings mm-hmm. that even though I don't really uh, the quality may vary I'm always interested in just jumping into these worlds I think the worlds themselves are enough to 
to sort of sell those experiences. Totally. I mean, the variation that you get, like, it reminds me of, like, when you grew up playing games and variation, mechanical variation was way more present. Like, that that's some of the things that I've written art, like, articles and lists about, about how a lot of the AAA industry is, like, very, um, you know, stuck in their ways. Whereas, like, if you miss that sort of variation that you grew up with, the reason you fell in love with gaming, a lot of that is in this, like, mid-tier stuff or the mm. indie stuff. I feel it's very so, yeah. rare that you go to something and you don't know what you're going to get. Mm. Mm. Yeah, which I love. Um, the next thing I've got down, when I can keep this kind of quick, is Baba Is You, which I don't think either of you Ooh. guys have played. No, I don't not. even know what this so is. So Baba Is You, it's on the Switch. I think it's also on PC. Um, it's just Baba is a little small, it looks like a bear, like a little small little mouse bear thing. Um, it's sort of, you play it top down, it's a puzzle game, um, kind of like a grid-based puzzle game, and you're basically trying to create, um, you're trying to get to a flag. Um, and so the basic premise is that you have the phrase Baba Is You. So mm -hmm. like that is the rules of the of the world as it as it is in, the, in that instance. So you go screen by screen, and it might open, for example, and at the top of the screen it'll say Baba Is You, and you'll just sit in there underneath the phrase, and the flag is to the right. And so that means that you can control Baba because the rules are always written at the top of the screen. So it'll say something like flag is win. Baba is you, flag is win. So you need you know that you need to run to the right to win. It's an easy tutorial. And then from there, it just only gets more and more ridiculous where it'll just be like um, rock is death or Baba is death or whatever. And you need to actively move the thing that you can control to remix the sentences, to reprogram the level so that you can get to the flag or make something else win. Like if you push something else in the way of the word so that it says rock is win, then all you need to do is touch the rock, even though that might be right next to you. That sounds so really cool. It's really yeah. weird to describe, but you'll totally get it if you watch it in motion. Um, but it's just, the, it's that weird sort of like gamer brain where you start recoding the level. Um, and one of the bits, I think it's in, I don't know, the fifth or sixth level, um, you move it so that you can move the words around. So it says, because initially it says like wall is solid or something, so you can't escape the walls. You can move it so it says wall is you, and then you start walking around as the level because it's all like, it's like a top down dungeon. <laughs> so you're just like, you're going up, down, left, right as the wall, and you walk in, you walk as a wall into a flag to win the level. I don't know if that makes any sense. That kind of makes sense. I promise I'm not on drugs, is it, but it's really good. Is it like the new Fez? It feels like, Ooh, how you describe it, like a new sort of like Fez puzzle sort of thing you got. It's, um, it's, it's like it's abstract, like how Fez gets abstract with, yes. its, like, with its language elements and stuff. But I um, I can't think of much else I would I would liken it to. It's like it is very, because you do start thinking and it works if you've played a lot of games because you understand the rules of games. I You understand like, how to recode it and you are sort of doing this sort of like surface level recoding or something. Um, even though it is like, you know, it is a puzzle game. Um, but yeah, I kind of just want to encourage people to try out Baba Is You. I think it's one of the most unique games this year. Um, and I just love it. It's, it's a very, very simplistic, like looks like Nidhogg style art style. It's very scratchy, very okay. sort of, um, you know, it looks like it's been done on paint kind of thing. Um, but it's it's core, like, you know, what you're doing and the way that you do it. I can't think of any other games that have done that. Um, and when I can literally play as a dungeon, there's, there's, just not, there's not enough stuff doing that. How much is this game? Um, I got it, I think, for about £12. That's pretty it's good. It's not that much. Um, as long as it's not like, I don't know what I would, I would probably cap it at about 15 ish. I think cool. it's, it's definitely worth it. It's just like, it's a little sort of innovative indie thing. Um, so that was my second one. Um, Joshua second one was Blood and Truth. Was it now? Mr. VR. Well, here we go. <laughs> I'm pleased Ben Roy's here because he's another Colin Salmon fan. The oh man who gosh, got me into yeah. the great actor that is Colin Salmon. Yes, uh, this Blood <laughs> and Truth game, although a lot of people had been looking forward to it since it was announced, I was always a little bit wary because London mm. Studios, although it's not that I have anything against them, but the games that they created in the past, this was kind of going to be a spiritual successor to the getaway. And something... I don't know, something rugs, rugs, rugs me, rubs me the wrong way <laughs> yes. about London-based kind of crime stories because I always feel like they're created for an American audience and they feel they're always a bit snatch. inauthentic. Yeah, they're yeah. always just snatched. They're always sort of, you know, blown up. They're always just dealing in stereotypes and cliches and you've got, oh, the Cockney, the Cockney <laughs> rhyme. It's like, that's not right. Cockney. And just like, all right, the apples and pears. What Pre is that accent? Pretty, I don't even know. Offensive, that. Sorry, sorry, Ben Roy. I realise I'm <laughs> sharing a panel with you. Of all the podcasts that you could pick. I know, I'm <laughs> so sorry. But... 
<laughs> this sort of just set me up to be blown away because even though I don't like the way London Studio approaches necessarily the story or the characters because it's so just rooted in stereotypes, I feel, the gameplay is just amazing and they do marvelous things with VR. They have like little touches to everything that just makes the game so immersive and so inventive. The fact that I can hold a button down and change my fingers to, you know, stick a middle finger up to someone is awesome. <laughs> right. The fact that I can hold a button down to twirl a revolver like I'm Revolver Ocelot before I pop a headshot is satisfying. That's the thing that convinced me to buy a PSVR. Exactly, and there's... Go, go, go so, on, Barry. Also, you mentioned all these actions, but yes. the biggest one is when you're shooting people in the club as you're on the turntable. I mean, <sighs> this, I, saw, I saw footage that, of that. That might be moment of the year. This yes, genuinely so. will be my top five moments of the year. When <laughs> I realised I was not only going to face off against a bunch of goons in this DJ booth, but the fact that I had a hand free that could control every little, you know, button and knob on this DJ yeah. deck and actually influence the music and turn it up and mess with the bass while I'm essentially soundtracking my own shootout against these mafia bosses. Uh, it was incredible, Scott. Can Art. you spin Art. a gun whilst you are DJing? Yes. Good. You can that spin awesome. a gun. It will remain as one of the games. You can of the flip year. it around. No, it is. It is. It's really good. I think <laughs> it really is a. It kind of would sell you on VR if you played it. And even though I don't like the stereotypes or necessarily the presentation, mm. it gets enough humor out of it. And the characters themselves, you are invested in their plight. The fact that this blew me away. The fact that when you look at someone. When you're in VR and they look you in the eyes, right. you automatically empathize with them, which is a strange little twist that you don't get when you're just looking through the screen. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. 
And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Loads of first, like games that start in first person who try to have like intimate moments with like Far Cry villains or different things and narratively, like they've obviously go for that. But if it's literally in your face. When you, when you actually have to turn your head to look at someone in the eye like I'm doing with you right now, <laughs> it works yeah. and it works in the game in a way that again, like it just doesn't work on 2D screens. Interesting. I mean, I'm curious about Blood and Truth because it seems like it was the first sort of, I don't know about AAA, but it's definitely the first, like they put a lot of money into it. Yeah, there's a lot of money in that. Um, and so for someone like me that's waiting for No Man's Sky VR, <laughs> then maybe I can be swayed by Blood and Truth. By so. a PSVR Scott in this house we respect <laughs> PlayStation VR maybe someday uh, Benroy your next one was Void Bastards yes this is something I've actually recently discovered mm -hmm. I've been hearing it for ages like you know on other podcasts and like just on the internet like how this thing is like different and fun and new you should play it so mm -hmm. I thought fine I'll take the plunge I went in last night a few nights before as well played it and I the first level was like, what are you doing? And then you go in there and it's like, oh, this is some sort of weird space salvage roguelite sort okay. of thing. So, is it, so we, I don't know if you know what it is, Josh. I have you no idea. You briefly told me about it this morning. Okay, I know you, the name. So you get, you get set up to die straight away and then you, the character, the, the main robot guy is like a, a posh British gentleman. Oh, okay. yeah, so you was going to die. <laughs> and you go from there and like, oh, okay, they are fine. Then I'm going to go to the next ship. And you start off, and each ship is, I believe, randomly generated. Mm -hmm. And you have certain sections that will always be in the ship, but mm -hmm. the layout is always different. So, like, they teach you very early on. You want to go to, like, the helmets in, like, the um, the bridge of the mm -hmm. ship. So you can get sort of, like, a layout for where all the loot is and all the, all the um, extra bits. Mm -hmm. What you're really trying to do is you're trying to go through here and you're trying to, like, grab some, uh, some pens, screws, sometimes fingers, as well as, like, a specific part that will then help you make a new weapon. I okay. mean, mm. it's their choice. Fingers? <laughs> Cabri's uh, fingers. Murder some, murder some uh, eight cockney aliens. Like, well, literally, the one guy... These, Are they stereotypical cockney aliens? Well, one of them turns around, they call the, this the janitor class, he goes, Gary! And then you just, like, <laughs> he just starts shooting laser balls out of his mouth. Laser balls? Yes. You don't see enough of them, have you? No. Fair. As well as this, I cut, these others are, like, Taurus. They're basically are, like, this big. They're, like, balls of goo okay. roll, rolling around, like, little things and they explode right and they also say some things which i can't remember so, okay so it's it's first person first person yes and you're sort of, it's sort of like exploration heavy it's very crafting heavy like yeah you pick what you want to you can have like one weapon and like some other sub sort of weapons mm -hmm. but you go through it's like what's really interesting as well is you can like section off parts of the ship like mm -hmm. i play it very much like well i've even got a lot of ammo so i'm gonna run in there all these dudes turn around and go Gary, I run back out <laughs> and I lock the door and then they just can't get to me. This and, sounds crazy. And, and then when you can go to the ship, you can pay like an extra 10, like I think it's called merits, their currency, where you can sort of like, uh, you'll get attracted to see all the enemies on there. And there are certain points where they uh, alter, uh, respawn forever. Okay. Mm. So it's like, do I lock this part of the ship off, run around, take the long way, go past the big slow man that's got potentially going to mm. beat me up and sort of thing. Listen, not to bring everything back 
to the PlayStation VR, but there is a very similar game called The Persistence on uh, really? PSVR. Yeah, where you've it's, played it. <laughs> <that. laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know if it's the same setup anyway, but essentially you start off on the ship and every single dark, you have to get to the fifth floor, I think, and every floor is procedurally generated. It changes uh. every time you die, but you retain knowledge of, oh, I know you need X amount of crafting points to get this weapon, or this weapon could be located over here. And it's, I love that. I'm not a huge fan of roguelikes, but I like it when... It's in first person, I think. <laughs> that's, that's all I and can... the art style of this is, uh, like, really bright colours, like, sort of, mm. like, comic booky sort of thing. So you just, like... It's fun to look at, and so far the loop's been enough where it's, like... And it's one of those games that's really perfect. Like, you can have your full attention, or it's also a pretty good podcast game. Mm. So you could be... We, we can never do... I, yeah. I really want to do a good podcast game. Like, I want to do a whole list on the best podcast games, even though I don't think the terminology's out there enough for people to know what it is. If you do know what a podcast game is, or you would recognise that term, shout it out down in the comments below, or come find us on social media, and just champion the fact that podcast games are some of the best things to and play. Days Gone? Yeah. <laughs> Days Gone is a, a very good example for the wrong reasons, because you just ignore the whole Deacon story. Deacon St. John. But big yes, old, big old on Game Pass, if you've got an Xbox One, Mm -hmm. Game Pass, just get it. Just like give it a shot. Give it an hour, and you'll be like, oh, "This is either for me or it isn't." Mm -hmm. And yeah, like that's all I got to say. Sounds good. And um, the next thing I've got down on my last one is uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Now, um, obviously, Fire Emblem was looking was um, you know being anticipated a hell of a lot. It's it's obviously like a story franchise and everything. But the thing that I didn't realize or didn't expect at all is that Fire Emblem Three Houses is pretty much a Persona game, um, where like your the way that the story set up is it's thousands of years after all the other like the majority of all the other games. Um, and basically, the three houses are these three different um, sort of continents that are in or these three different houses that are on this big sort of country with one academy in the middle, this sort of religious academy in the middle, um, and you. Go Go to this academy to learn how to fight um, to maintain the peace kind of thing um, and it, that's when it turns into a persona game you get hired as a professor and you have different um, classes to take care of and different students that you want to look after different um, you know different uh, skills you want to teach them and they'll ask you questions about their, their, their life and relationships and philosophy and you get to be the really cool you know the hip-hop professor that you ever <laughs> had one of in school um, but it's just that you have this sort of calendar system that is telling you like when battles are going to be coming up when different tournaments are happening in the academy um, when different you know like maybe a village is under attack because some ruffians are trying to restore yeah. war time and you've got to like deploy your your squad um paired with all the the standard fire emblem stuff of permadeath and characters you know like um you know if you lose your best archer then you're never going to get them back again but that might be your star pupil that you've raised for you know like months of in-game time that ah, you're really proud of i like that a lot so yeah. there's not only a mechanical sort of downside to losing it but there's an actual you're really investment, emotively invested yeah. which fire emblem's always had that emotive side to it as well but it was nearly always because you were a platoon of soldiers or you know like um knights or mages or whatever and you were going out to try and do the right thing but by tying it with this persona element where you have like day-to-day -day living in the academy you can you can free uh, freely explore the academy you can go fishing you can invite people to dinner um you can go like plant some crops and whatever and like there's all these weird little sort of university academy style underpinnings to it that bring it all together in like a really weird in a really go like really perfect way um but in a way that i didn't see coming at all i stayed away from a lot of the previews maybe that stuff is just out there but um yeah there was a bunch of times when i was like this is literally persona with <laughs> fire emblems combat and it's like incredible that's good oh, yeah i would encourage you guys to would you say, because yeah. um, you know, obviously Catherine's uh, four body edition is going to mm. come out, would you say Catherine is a good way to start to get into that sort of genre? Because I think, like, Ooh. isn't that similar to Persona in a way? Uh, well, I'm, really, I'm making the Persona comparison in terms of like the Just, scheduling and the school stuff and the academies uh, okay. and everything. Um, Catherine is good in terms of like Eastern quirk, but I wouldn't say it's like gameplay wise, it's way more arcadey. Like Catherine is like a like a mini game kind of thing. Um, but if you want to get into like yeah interpersonal relationship stuff, there's some things in Catherine. Um, what was the thing you were gonna say? Joe? We what, what was the? Did we talk on a podcast last week about mm. how good it is to have that kind of structuring games? When we, you, yeah yeah yeah. I, that was when I was very first starting to play it, and it like it was in the news for something, and it like made me realize that I I love not necessarily like dailies. 
and monthlies in terms of goals and crap. But I like when it, there's a narrative reason for you to get invested or like, you know, to keep coming back and like maintain your students and teach them something and, you know, go out in the field together and don't die. I'm really interested in this. It's game. really good. If, you, if you're on Switch uh, and this is maybe, this would potentially be your first Fire Emblem, I think this is a really good place to start. Uh, it would either be this or Awakening on the 3DS, but like obviously through accessibility, more people probably have Switches, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll be my third one. Um, Josh, your third one was Ultimate Alliance 3. Yes, a game that I keep going backwards and forwards. You last two me, I... you hated it, sir. <laughs> no, I did not use the words hate. <laughs> no, you said that you loved it, but parts, I think you were like, oh, but also Part sometimes. of me hates it. It's kind of, again, the days gone situation, which I ramble on about on every <laughs> single podcast. It's that there are elements in Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 that I deeply love, and that mm. every single time I boot it up, I am engaged with, mm-hmm. and that I find compelling, and I have a really good time with. It's mm-hmm. just that there's a lot of downsides as well, you know? There's a lot of things that are kind of frustrating, and it surprised True. me because... For me, even though I love Marvel Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2, I went into the third game looking at the previews and just sort of making the cynical assumption that it's going to be, oh, it just looks like a downgraded mobile game. It's Mm -hmm. not going to be a proper sequel. There's a reason why it's not on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. True. Which, you can kind of see that in the final product. But at the same time, it is fun and there's way more depth to it than I might have initially give it credit for. It's weird because all the um, all the ISO eight stuff, all the like incremental percentage yeah. based stuff. I initially was like, oh god, it's one of those progression systems, and I kind of bounced off it. But weirdly, it does completely tie into all the separate missions, the infinity stuff. Like you do need to specialize in strength and vitality and whatever to get through those things. That's what's kind of pulled me back around. The mm-hmm. infinity challenges are a real test of skill and might, and I love putting time into these characters and learning their intricacies and trying not to get absolutely butchered with them <laughs> and then combining special to take on major bosses it is just a thrill I think that the game nails when you mm. are engaging in the combat and you see all the colours and the numbers popping off and if you're a Marvel fan that's sort of a dream come true I was going to say Ben where you're a big MCU Marvel fan yeah. is this bringing you in? Uh, well I'm more the X-Men guy so the, mm. uh, the fact that there's, there's, the a, there's a big X-Men thing in here and I love the X-Men Legend games mm. like they were they were the ones, <laughs> but for me, I've heard it's a bit repetitive. And it although I did see that, um, watching some footage, like they don't, it's not just straight up like going around beating people up. Like that's part where you run away from the juggernaut. Yes, and you, you have to lose to like make Neo and stuff. Those set pieces, I'm doing weird hand motions because yes. I'm invested in it. Those set pieces <laughs> when you're running away from the juggernaut are one of my favorites. When you're going up Avengers Tower and Giant Man is fighting. Someone uh, Ultron, Ultron yeah, on yeah. there that is huge. They're towering over the city and they're hitting each other in the backdrop, and you're having your own skirmishes. Those big set pieces and the scale of those mm. set pieces is just if you're a comic book fan, hard to argue. I'm just, with. Yeah, I'm just gonna say the only the only reason I've not got this yet is because one, it's on Switch. I have a Switch, but it feels like saying I want to play more on a, like a PlayStation Four or something like that. Now. Ooh. Interesting you should say this because I disagree. If this came out on the PlayStation 4 or the Xbox One, Uh I think some of those earlier assumptions would have stuck. I think if you bought Hmm. this full price on a PlayStation 4, you'd feel a bit short. Yeah, I think it fits on the Switch. It fits on the Switch. I mostly played it when it's again, it's kind of like a podcast game. I played it when something else was on the TV in the background and I sort of undocked my Switch, set it up on the table in front of it, and was just sort of playing Mm -hmm. it, playing it from a distance. I also play on the train like pretty much every day. Like, yeah, I think it is weird because it is one big kind of at times 
games, it feels like a mobile game. Like it feels like you're playing it in a way that you would play like just a really tap heavy, you know, just yeah. tap this to get the meters up kind of thing, kind of game. Um, but I also think that it does click, and it's it's weird. Like it, it is weird how much it does work, even though on the surface of it, it's like oh god, it's like a glorified version of Marvel Heroes. Yeah, it's one of those things that if you take a step back, you can pick it apart. You can compare mm. it to the other Marvel Ultimate Alliance games and easily see where it falls short. Mm-hmm. But man, in the moments where it does click, it is always forgiven. Beautiful. For those brief moments. Good to Ben Roy. Your last one is Ape Out, which is a hell of a pick. Yes. So another Switch game, like just only came to Switch. I think PC. I think it came to as I think well. Think so, yeah. But this is just something really different to what I've played again. I've said this with Plague Tale, mm-hmm. but like a, a rhythm music based sort of top down. Expl- so it, it reminds me of Hotline Miami. Like it's a yeah. top down thing, but you're playing as an ape. It's very um, like pop colored, and you're like, you're playing as like the color uh, palette sort of changes a lot. But you're running around as this ape, just wrecking everything with smooth jazz playing until you start <laughs> beating people up or grabbing them and throwing them at their friends. Mm-hmm. And then you get the everyone starts playing the drums, and you get really get into it. And the music sort of like ramps up with you and it's really interesting how like because each uh, level is randomized mm-hmm. and even if you die they'll just re-randomize it all over and over again and it's just it looks so simple but it's basically you're a gorilla and you need to get out you're mm-hmm. an ape you might say you're yeah. an ape you're yeah. an ape yeah. sorry you're an ape <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it is that thing where like um, you're kind of composing it as you go like I should have mentioned it in the music pod yesterday um, or the other day or whatever um, but yeah like when your ape moves it does like the dong da dong like underneath like the sort of driving rhythm of it and then like you know you smash them off a wall and you get a cymbal crash or like you pick someone up and it's like you're kind of composing this like makeshift jazz like sort of uh, composition as you go um, and it's just like it is incredibly violent in terms of people just explode against the walls but it's all kind of really lovely and joyous as well. Lovely, joyous, but then also really unforgiving. Yes. And also there's like no health meter either. So you can only tell like how much health you have, like by how much you're bleeding. Mm-hmm. So this is another one. It's like, and certain levels get dark. So you, then you can't see that and you, it's, the way they do like the flashlights like cutting yeah. through the level is really cool though and you can pick off you can use like a door as a shield then you might want to throw the door at like four remaining people or whatever grab, grab the really guys good. and the, when you grab a guy you get one of his shots to shoot at someone else so you mm-hmm. can sort of start chaining their attacks through as it goes through mm-hmm. towards the end I will say it gets really hard yeah. like I, that, that was my plane game as we went to um, New York this year just trying to like get through this game mm-hmm. I couldn't do it I handed <laughs> it over to um, Adam Nicholas and he couldn't do it and we're just racking our heads like how can we get through <laughs> this last level hours later having a, a ton of fun just couldn't do it though that's mm-hmm. so cool I, I am, totally recommend it though. I am really really interested in this to be honest every single game you mentioned on the podcast both of you and I'm not just saying that because I'm here on the podcast with you sounds really good <laughs> and the fact that almost all of them are for Switch I mean it finally gives me a reason to pick that bad boy back up and well, wouldn't you know it, yeah. you you've said such a lovely final sentiment and we've hit time as well wow so what a beautiful way to end yes we recommend all these following games you can all um, come and find us on social media as well if you're listening on audio stuff or leave your own suggestions down in the comments below for now though this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast I've been your host Scott Taylor for joined by Josh Brown hello goodbye and Ben Roy Turner goodbye there <laughs> we'll catch you next time bye, bye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.